This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. For those of you at my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, your neighbor is moving out. He's put his condo up for sale it's just down the street from the studio. That would be Elton John. He's, he's selling his condo for $4.995 million. We might as well say he's selling it for $5 million. 13,500 square feet. I, I, I might want to crash pad in the city. I don't know that I need an apartment bigger than my house. It's like three times the size of my house. Good grief. Um, wow. But it's got beautiful views. All right. We got to move on. We got stuff to talk about. I, I got to talk about this story. In the Washington Post, this is sending alarm bells out throughout the Democratic Party in uh, kind of, I mean, it's alarming what's going on here. And there's a huge disconnect among the Democratic Party leaders. You know, the the anti-Semites like you to believe that Jews are in control of everything. The reality is that white women are. And the Democratic Party, the white women are overwhelmingly secular, they are overwhelmingly progressive, and they overwhelmingly are disconnected from uh, black and Hispanic voters. They are very maternal or paternalistic in how they want to handle non-white voters. They don't relate to them. They only hang out with ones who are very wealthy, like Oprah Winfrey, and they are completely disconnected from the people who live in the poor middle-class neighborhoods of America. They don't know how to relate. They, they Essentially, their argument is that progressivism is good. Here's the problem. When you actually study the data, there are enclaves in this country where black and Hispanic voters want more progressivism. But those are in the minority. Overwhelmingly, they are culturally conservative. They're, they're fine with more government spending. They're fine with more government involvement in the economy. But they are culturally conservative. What they don't want is a boy on their girl's sports team or in their daughter's bathroom. They think it's insane. They think the hostility to faith in the Democratic Party is bad. Hispanic voters in America are the most Christian conservative voters. They may be liberal in their lives. They may be liberal 
financially, but they're devout believers. And if they are a Protestant Hispanic, if they have their their family traditionally Hispanic, families traditionally Catholic, they become Protestant. They are the most conservative voter in the country. This also plays out with some of the Asian vote as well. Do you know where the largest Christian churches in the world are? Do you have any idea the largest Christian churches in the world are not in the United States of America? They are in South Korea. South Koreans are overwhelmingly Presbyterian. Yeah, believe it or not, true story. The largest like megachurch on the planet is in South Korea, and it's Presbyterian. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's a big deal in the Hispanic community. It's a big deal in the black community. Black women tend to be progressive on a lot of things, but they are very protective of their children. And they don't want a boy to compete against their daughter in sports because they understand that a good education is a lifeline for their kids to improve. And as Democrats advance cultural issues against school choice, against greater access to education, uh, in favor of transgenderism, uh, are are way more pro-abortion, abortion on demand until birth, all those sorts of things, it's turning off these voters. But there's something else too. It's the economy. The economy is making them feel left behind. Now, this is from the Washington Post. Multiple polls in recent weeks have shown Trump performing historically well among black and Hispanic voters in head-to-head matchups with President Biden, helping put him neck and neck with Biden in a way he rarely was during the 2020 matchup. Across five high-quality polls that have broken out non-white voters in the past month, Trump is averaging 20% of black voters and 42% of Hispanic voters. Both numbers, and especially that for black voters, could set modern-day records for a Republican in a presidential election. Trump in 2020 took just 8% of black voters and 36% of Hispanic voters, according to the Pew Center. Exit polling pegged those figures at 12% for black voters and 32% for Hispanic voters. No Republican presidential candidate in the past 50 years has approached receiving 20% of the black vote. Since Republicans took 18% in 1972 and 16% in 1976, according to exits, they haven't taken more than 12% of the black vote since. Hispanic voters have trended towards the GOP in recent elections, but the party's current high water marks over the past half century are 37% in 1984 and a disputed 44% in 2004. Other estimates place George W. Bush's actual share at 40%, which was shy of where Trump is in the current polling. But also, all of the other Republican candidates are polling near 20%. The worst performing person for the black vote is actually Tim Scott, ironically, the leading black Republican in the state who took 15%. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, all average near 20% of the black vote and over 40% of the Hispanic vote. There should be alarm bells going on for the Democrats, and I am told reliably by friends of mine of the upper echelons of the Democratic Party that those alarm bells are going off, they are hearing them, and they are a bit panicked 
because to woo those black voters and Hispanic voters back to the Democratic Party, they're going to alienate the white progressives who write the checks to the campaigns. Why? Because a lot of the problems are blue-collar voter issues. Here's part of the problem. You want to take away their stoves. Um, I don't know if you all know this or not, but particularly in the South, you're going to take away someone's gas stove. How are they going to fry their fish? Well, you say that, well, their electric burner is going to heat up just as nicely, but do you, do you know how many people I know in the South who put stuff right in the flame? It's part of it. It's a cooking technique in Hispanic communities. How are you going to char the tortillas? I don't know if you know this, white people, but there's this thing called a tortilla. It's a flat bread. It's very common in Central American households, particularly Mexican households. And do you know what they do is they mix the lard and they mix the flour and they mix the boiling water and they mix the salt and maybe a little baking powder and they roll it into a little ball and they flatten it out with their hands, maybe with a rolling pin. They throw it right on the flame. And it chars and cooks, and it's delicious. I use a skillet, or I'll use my my Blackstone griddle in the backyard when I make my homemade tortillas. And I can't get them as good. I, I just, I can't, like, I got the recipe. I got my, my, my buddy Josh. He's a redheaded Mexican, believe it or not. He is red hair, but he is Mexican. And his grandmother makes tortillas, well, made tortillas. She's passed away. She makes tortillas, and, and I got a recipe. And you got to use lard. You can't use short. Don't use vegetable short. You got to use lard. And you use some bacon powder, and the water needs to be hot. And then you got to let them rest for about 30 minutes because the lard melts in the hot water, and then you got to let it recongeal and get back to room temperature, and it makes it very flaky. I still can't get it as good as that woman made her tortillas. It's care. You throw them in a griddle or you throw them on the flame. And uh, white progressives want to get rid of those gas stoves. Jennifer Granholm wants to get rid of those gas stoves. She also wants poor black Americans to buy electric vehicles. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's cheaper to buy a gas vehicle than an electric vehicle, except it's not right now because gas prices are so expensive and it's the Democratic policies that are making the gas expensive and they won't take ownership of it. They deny it and then say, well, it's so high, I guess you should get an electric car that you can't afford. And don't look now, but more black Americans are realizing all these white progressives in charge send their kids to private school, but they won't let us send our kids to private school. It's a problem. White progressives shutting black kids out of a good education is one of the biggest issues under the radar right now. It is a huge issue with black moms. Now, let me talk about this from a personal perspective down here in Georgia where I am. We had a governor. The last governor in Georgia was named Nathan Deal. Nathan Deal wanted to expand charter schools. He wasn't even doing school choice. He wanted to expand charter schools. And the Democrats in Georgia fought him on charter schools. Black pastors in Georgia denounced the former Republican governor for wanting to do charter schools, telling black moms it was going to hurt your kid's education. 
the NAACP campaigned against expanding charter schools in the state of Georgia. The Democratic Party, the NAACP, Black Ministers Raphael Warnock, who at the time was the senior pastor at Martin Luther King's Ebenezer Baptist Church, they campaigned against school choice in Georgia. They campaigned against charter schools in Georgia. They campaigned against the state being able to form charter schools when local school boards would not let them. And so Nathan Deal put it on the ballot, a constitutional amendment in the state of Georgia. And the NAACP and the black ministers and the Democratic Party, they all campaigned against it. Black moms joined the Republican Party voters and passed school charter reform. Black mothers did that. Black mothers sided with Republicans on school issues. In Florida in 2022, Ron DeSantis said he would expand school choice options in Florida. He's kept his word. He's done it with the state legislature. He got a overwhelming number of black and Hispanic voters to side with him. Overwhelming number. When Ron DeSantis ran in 2018, he ran against Andrew Gillum. Nobody at the time knew Andrew Gillum was closetly bisexual, using drugs on the side with gay strippers. True story. Gay escorts, I should say. Nobody at the time knew he had this, this, this secret life. He almost won, lost by 1,000 votes. Do you know what the key issue was? Black and Hispanic parents who were upset that he campaigned on getting rid of Jeb Bush's education reforms in Florida. Andrew Gillum wanted to get rid of school choice in Florida. And enough black and Hispanic parents sided with Ron DeSantis, put him in the governor's mansion, and he won by 20 points in 2022. These issues matter, but white progressives are opposed. White progressives think that a boy can become a girl. Black moms do not. White progressives think black kids should be stuck in failing public schools. Black moms do not. White progressives think black people should give up their stoves and their gas-powered cars in favor of electric stoves and electric vehicles. Black moms do not. And white progressives think that you should be denied good jobs in your local community unless you're willing to pay outrageous sums of money and raise the minimum wage and price people out of the market. Black Americans just want a job and a paycheck. They don't want government dependence. And white progressives would rather them be dependent on the government than dependent on themselves. And it's starting to raise the hackles of black and Hispanic voters who just want to go to work and be left alone and not have to deal with the woke wars. But the wokes of the left insist that they must care. Well, they're caring, all right, and they're caring for the GOP's platform right now. I run a small business. You may not realize this radio show is small business, but I've got employees. I got management headaches, hirings of employees, thankfully, no firings. But you got to deal with the management burden sometimes. If you're a small business owner, you probably deal with those headaches as well. And sometimes I've realized it's better to outsource to an HR department so you don't have to be the bad guy. Your employees can like you and you want to deal with an HR department that your employees can like for the most part when they need HR assistance. And you got to think about these things as a small business owner. Let's say somebody isn't showing up when they're supposed to. You don't want to have to be the confrontational bad guy. That's where Bambi comes in. Or an employee reports a serious issue like sexual harassment and you're not even sure if you got a documented policy. 
Bambi can take care of those things. With Bambi, you get access to a dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, by email, real-time chat, so you can do onboardings and terminations that run smoothly. Your team members help coaching for peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations, and they always change. Y'all, Bambi's dedicated HR managers are U.S.-based individuals who are dedicated to your business. So they seem like they're on your team, not just somebody from a different company, but actually on your team with the personal touches you want. So if you need HR assistance for your growing small business, reach out to Bambi, Bambi Bambi.com. Go right now, type in Eric Erickson under podcast. When you sign up, it'll help the show. It's spelled Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast. Start moving your business forward with great, dedicated, team-oriented HR, Bambi.com. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Happy to have you, although it's a short segment, so stand by, and I'll get to you here uh, on the other side of the break. So um, we'll, we'll get there. Now, I, I gotta I gotta mention, and I'm gonna spend a little more time on this when we come back. That they're they're coming for George Washington. They're coming for George Washington. The New York City Council has decided to strike up a commission to see about moving, getting rid of monuments that honor uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Columbus himself, Christopher Columbus. Oh, and Peter Stuyvesant. It's the Cultural Affairs Committee. Does that not sound like a Communist Party committee? It's the uh, City Council's Cultural Affairs Committee. It's going to hold hearings on Tuesday on a proposal to yank artworks from city property dedicated to Washington Stuyvesant, Christopher Columbus, and others because of controversial views. Uh, they, they, they don't want Christopher Columbus because of what he did to the the Indian tribes of America. Are we allowed to call them that anymore? Uh, They don't want George Washington because Washington was a slave owner. They don't want Peter Stuyvesant either because he might have possibly swindled uh, the Native American tribes. There's a statue of Thomas Jefferson who drafted the Declaration of Independence, was the third president. Uh, It was removed from City Hall uh, earlier, and uh, they said this wasn't going to happen. They said it wasn't going to happen because they only want to remove Confederates. But then they got rid of Teddy Roosevelt at the, what, the Museum of American History? Peter Stuyvesant was one of the earliest New York settlers. He was a slaveholder. Uh, Their Stuyvesant High School is named after him. Their Stuyvesant Park, his statue, uh, is in Stuyvesant Park, and they want to toss that statue now. This is insanity run amok, but there's more to this that's going on. There there actually is a bigger issue here, and when we come back, I want to spend time on that issue. I want to take your phone calls as well, 877-973-7425. Before we get into any of that, though, i got to talk to you about Vision Computers. Now, real-world scenarios, is if you're a regular listener, you know we've got a computer from Vision Computers in the house. It's my son's. Uh, he wanted a gaming PC. I, I'm a Mac guy, honestly. 
I, I can figure out the Xbox, but at this point, the GPUs and, and Windows systems, they've evolved. I used to be an IT repair guy. I could repair computers. It's too much now. But I called Vision, and Vision, we told him what he wanted. Oh, they, they got him the perfect computer. Last night, he had an issue. It was a it was not a computer issue. It was a software issue with some of his software. And, like, I could probably have figured it out. It, it was a, a download issue. and But he called Vision, and Vision fixed it for him. Uh, they were actually able to remote in over the internet and do it. I, I'd never had to. It's I don't have a headache with this computer. It's fantastic. Now they can do this for you, your home. They can also do it for your business. So if you got an employee, you got your computers from Vision, laptops or desktops. They can save you some money. They can build you a great PC that's going to last. You can upgrade it over time. You don't have to keep swapping them out over time. They can also be your tech support for each of your employees. They can call. All you got to do is call 404 Compute anywhere nationwide. 404 Compute. Let Vision be your IT support. Let them build your computers. 404 Compute. Vision Computers. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide. My apologies. I, I You know, I, I, I get mixed up sometimes. I, I get on a roll here, and I forgot it's the time for me to do an interview. I just got confused on my time today. I knew I was doing it. just forgot what time it was. So those of you who want to call in, just be patient with me because I actually I've been looking forward to this. Uh, so uh, two guys who helped me sponsor my conference with the Honest Elections Project, uh, Trinity England and Jason's Need, they're joining me. And I, I got to set this up before, before I put them on here. Uh, I have a concern, and I mean this lovingly, and, and my friends who they get offended with me when I say this, that there are people within the Republican Party who are generally certifiable nerds. And they go gaga over all sorts of like voting theories and things like back in the day after the 2004 election. I had friends who were like, hey, we should sign on to this interstate compact whereby uh, our state's going to go with the popular vote. Even if our electoral college vote goes a different way, we're going to go with the popular vote because, look, George W. Bush got the popular vote. This would be fantastic. Uh, Bring democracy to the process. Like, no, 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 no. The founders believed in the electoral college for a reason. But the nerds were all like, hey, let's go with the popular vote until 2016. Trump won and had their idea worked, well, Trump would have lost. Well, now you know what the latest nerd thing is on the right. It's ranked choice voting. No one really understands it. If you've seen the New York mayoral election, it was a a disaster. In Alaska and in a couple of other states, ranked choice voting has helped the Democrats repeatedly. And yet we got nerds on the right who think a complicated voting process when people are stupid is a great thing to implement uh, that that, uh, American voters are going to be able to figure out. And I love my nerd friends on the right, but they're so wrong on this. They are so absolutely wrong. And so you're not going to get a fair and balanced hearing from me on ranked choice voting because I think it's a nerdy thing that nerds like that American voters don't understand. And Joining me to discuss this is Jason and Trent. Now, all right, Jason, I'm going to lock your call in here because I've never had two guys at the same time calling into the program. But I think, up, uh, do I have you both? Or I might have just lost Jason, Trent. You've you've got me here for sure. This is Trent. All right, okay, Trent. Okay, I got you. I think I accidentally hung up on Jason by mistake, so Charlie's going to get Jason back here. I've never had two separate line callers at the same time, but while I'm getting Jason back on the phone, look, hang on, let me see. I may be able to get him. Jason, do I have you too? I'm here. Look at this. Charlie's a magic worker. So, all right, as I said in my intro— I'm not going to give a fair hearing to ranked choice voting because it's a terrible idea beloved by nerds who just like to complicate processes. And so I'm glad you guys have written a book, The Case Against Ranked Choice Voting, and can uh, echo my concerns that this is just a complicated idea that is just going to mess everything up. Yeah, it's. I mean, it makes voting harder 
for, for everybody, for voters, for election officials. It makes the results harder to trust. But I, you know, I, I love your description of the, the, the reason why some people sort of flirt with these kind of ideas, right? It is, it's a sort of a nerdy, technocratic, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to manipulate this election system and tinker with it. And maybe somehow, you know, the results on the other end will be, you know, slightly better than what we have today. And, and yeah, people just forget that they, they can't see the forest for the trees here, I think. Well, we saw the Alaska situation with Sarah Palin on the ballot and, and what's his name? They hated each other and, and they both tried to game the system and it wound up getting a Democrat elected as well. Oh, that's right. I mean, that was the first time in half a century that Alaska sent a Democrat to uh, to the House of Representatives. And yet you still have people on the right arguing that ranked choice voting uh, can be just as easily won. Um, and yet in the places where it's used, Maine and Alaska right now, it has done nothing except help Democrats win elections uh, on the strength of second and third place votes, which if you ask me, I, I think, you know, we should be asking people, who's your first place pick? Vote for one person in each race. And move on. It's the classic example of one person, one vote. And ranked choice voting just ends up turning our election system into a complicated black box where you are using algorithms to uh, to generate results that ultimately few people can understand. All right. So I'm talking to Jason Deed in, in Trin, England, the uh, Honest Election Project. They've written this book, The Case Against Ranked Choice Voting. I, whichever one of you wants to do this, I guess – before we go any further, explain how ranked choice voting is supposed to work, if you're capable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that is that is the $10,000 question here, right? Uh, or actually, in New York City, it was the $15 million question, because that's how much they spent trying to explain the system to voters. And they still had a lot of voters who didn't get it. Uh, and it seemed like maybe some election officials as well. So with ranked choice voting, voters are allowed to rank multiple candidates. And uh, they, they don't have to, and many voters don't, but you're allowed to rank multiple candidates. And in order to win that election, you have to get a majority of first place rankings. But what happens if nobody, when they tally up those initial first place rankings, nobody has a majority? What they do then is they eliminate the least popular candidate, the one with the fewest first place votes. And then anybody who voted for that least popular candidate, if they have a second place vote, that gets moved up to be their first place vote. And then they count all the votes again. And they do that over and over and over again until somebody has a majority of the first place votes from the remaining ballots, which is really important because a lot of ballots wind up being being tossed out because voters don't rank you know, some in some cases, voters don't rank any, you know, they just rank one and they don't rank anybody right. else. In a lot of cases, they, they might rank, you know, one or two. But at a certain point, like, do I have a, a seventh or eighth choice on who I want to be my city council member or dog catcher or something? Right. Like, you know, you get significant drop off. And so all those ballots get set aside and they claim to produce a majority winner. But they really do that because they've set a bunch of votes aside, and as Jason said, they they're counting second, third, you know, sometimes sixth, seventh, eighth place uh, votes as if they were first choices. Uh, so, if you're listening to this and you're confused, that's the point. It's super that's confusing, right. and most Americans go, they decide, I, I want candidate A, B, C, or D, and that's it. And with ranked choice voting, they say, okay, candidate A gets my first vote, candidate C gets my second vote, candidate B gets my third vote, candidate D gets my fourth vote. And okay, then the, the tabulators count says, well, candidate A was your first vote, but he didn't get enough. So uh, what is your second vote? It, 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 
it puts the people who count the votes, it, it gives them a lot of power and they can screw up. And for example, here in Georgia in 2020, we had a statewide recount. How do you even do a recount when you've got this ranked choice voting? It just seems like that adds complicated layers on top of it. Oh, that's 100 percent right. I mean, when you have a ranked choice system, let's say that you've got one that lets you rank up to five candidates. So now if you have a million people voting in a particular race and you need to do a recount, instead of recounting one million votes, now you're recounting potentially five million votes. So there's a huge increase. And it's not just about recounting the end result of the election. Sometimes the early stages of elimination, that first elimination between the person who came in fifth and fourth, that can be changed by just a couple of dozen votes. And then that can have profound implications for the final result of the election. So you actually potentially have to do recounts at every stage of this process. So you could be talking about three or four recounts. And Eric, as you know, from your time running campaigns and as a litigator, that greatly expands the, uh, the realm of litigation as well. So if we want to actually get to a system where we know who won elections on election night, well, ranked choice voting is taking us 180 degrees in the other direction. It's making lawsuits more likely. It's making it harder for us to actually figure out who wins elections. And it leads to delays. You know, Alaska spent 15 days gathering up all the ballots before they could report uh, the, the, the tallies because with a ranked choice system, you can't even report the tallies until you've got every ballot in. And we also have a lot of folks on the left right now trying to push us towards all mail elections with one or two or three week deadlines after election day for ballots to come in. So we hear from a lot of people who say, look, we just want to have an election that's over on election night so we can go to bed and life can get back to normal. Ranked choice voting goes in the opposite direction. I, I just, you know, I, I think about uh, California right now where it takes forever to figure out who won a race in California. I mean, weeks after the election, they're still trying to figure it out. You add ranked choice voting complications into it. And I mean, everything's got to be wrapped up by what, December 8th or 16th for the Electoral College. And you could still be counting votes right up until the day the Electoral College is supposed to meet if we did this for president. Well, and it's even worse than that. You know, you mentioned California. California does not have ranked choice voting at the state level, but they allow localities to use it. And Alameda County, where Oakland, California is, uses ranked choice voting. They actually had a school board election last year where they certified the wrong winner. So, you know, we're thinking, oh, this, this is going to take weeks or, you know, maybe even like six weeks to, to determine the winner of the election. It took them four months. And they initially seated the wrong person on that school board. They actually had to go back and retally and, and effectively recertify all of the ranked choice voting results in Alameda County, California. And again, I mean, this is a big place. This is part of the Bay Area. Oakland, California is the big city there. They screwed up the whole thing because they had their computers programmed slightly wrong. Nobody found it. Nobody, you know, nobody in government, none of the candidates, none of the, their campaigns, their attorneys, nobody could tell that this was screwed up because ranked choice voting is so complicated. It's so dependent on computers. It was some outside academics right before Christmas that let the, the county know that, hey, you know, your, your numbers don't actually seem to make sense here according to the rules that you have. And that began this, you know, this two-month process of unwinding their, uh, their failed election in Alameda County. I mean, ranked choice voting is, is so over-dependent on technology. It just destroys election transparency and there, I mean, frankly, there could be other elections like that where 
the wrong winner was certified and nobody ever found out. It just happened that you had some academics researching the uh, election system in that county last year who, who came up with this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really terrible if we want elections we can trust. Well, yeah, so I'm just listening to this, and, and that ultimately is the issue. It, it add, adds a complication to a lot of voters who go in, they're used to just, I'm going to pick one person. You add this complication to it. You've already got this this brewing distrust over ranked choice voting out there, and, and you've already got this brewing distrust about elections in general and too much reliance on computers and can computers be hacked. And I mean, I don't think there would ever be an election we could trust again if you used ranked choice voting. That would certainly be a concern. I mean, you know, when you get right down to brass tacks, not everyone is a nerd for elections the way that Trent and I are. And, you know, for us, Election Day is the Super Bowl. But for most people, they just want simple, straightforward elections with clear rules, transparent results. And they they want to know who won uh, the election on election night so that life will go back to normal. And ranked choice voting, you have to use computers. There's an algorithm. It's a black box. You often don't actually find out what the full set of tabulations are until the final results are reported, right? So you can spend two weeks waiting for all the ballots to come in and see who got the first place vote and how that looks. And then they hit the button that does the uh, computation. And suddenly the results that you get on the back end look radically different. So this is a really quick way to destroy confidence in the elections by turning it into an opaque process that only people with PhDs in mathematics or statistics can actually understand. And that's why this is so so dangerous because, you know, look, we live in a country right now where, according to some polls, only one in four people think that both the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections were correctly decided. So you've got people that are distrustful of the system on the left and the right. We need to be simplifying the process and making it easier to vote and harder to cheat, not making it harder to vote and easier to cheat. That's a real recipe, I think, for disaster. Amen. Uh, fellas, i got to leave it there. The book is The Case Against Ranked Choice Voting. Uh, Jason Steed, Trent England, I appreciate you both stopping by. Thanks so much, Thanks, Eric. Thank you very much. Now let's see. How do I disconnect everybody on hold? <laughs> I have no idea. I think I got it right. All right. I'll let Andrew take care of that one while I tell you guys about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile, cell phone provider. They're conservatives. They're Christians, and they fund the conservative causes you care about, but they need your help to do it. All you got to do is move your cell phone service to them. You take your service to to PatriotMobile.com. You can take your existing phone number or get a new phone number. If you have an unlocked phone like my new iPhone shows up on Friday and it's unlocked, available for any carrier, I could just take it to Patriot Mobile. And then as they grow their profits, they grow their giving to the conservative causes you care about, including to parents who are running for local school boards around the country against the woke existing school board members. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric is the website you go to. You can zoom right into your house, see how good the 5G is, the data, the voice, everything. Or you can call them. You call them at 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. You're talking to 100% U.S.-based customer service. They're good people. They share your values. They fund the causes you care about. They give you great discounts. You're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, you name it. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. This is a disturbing story. This is from the Free Beacon, Adam Credo. The Chinese Communist government has infiltrated more than 500 kindergarten through 12th grade classrooms across America 
with CCP-run programs strategically concentrated around U.S. military bases, a panel of experts testified before Congress on Tuesday. Throughout the last decade, China has spent more than $17 million establishing what are known as Confucius classrooms in around 143 school districts across 34 states and Washington, D.C., This is according to Nicole Neely, president of Parents Defending Education, a watchdog group that obtained records outlining the funding. A significant portion of these Communist Party programs operate near U.S. military bases, giving CCP-affiliated teachers access to student data. The amount of money China has spent establishing propaganda hubs in American public and private schools is likely far higher. A State Department and Senate investigation found hundreds more CCP programs being run in U.S. classrooms than is publicly known. In these Confucius classrooms, which China builds as a cultural exchange program, teachers handpicked by the communist government are given access to district servers and student information, Neely testified before the House Committee on Education and the Workforce. With many of these programs located near U.S. military bases, there are mounting concerns China is gaining access to information about American service members' children. These ties raise serious concerns about the safety and security of military children and secrets, Representative Aaron Bean of Florida, the committee's chairman, said in his opening remarks. The Chinese Communist Party's presence near our bases can be seen as a direct attempt to target and influence vulnerable populations, potentially compromising our national security in the process. China runs these programs in a manner that prevents school administrators and parents from understanding what their children are being taught. Parents and administrators don't know what the curriculum is that's being used in the classroom and have to defer to the teachers who have been hand-selected and vetted by the Communist Party of China. How is this even possible? This is absurd. The Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Fairfax, Virginia, partnered with Chinese military schools supervised by the Chinese defense industry in Tsinghua University to develop academic programming. We... It's not just left-wing indoctrination in our, our schools. It's it's the Communist Party of China. It le- this, by the way, bipartisan outrage on this. Hopefully something will be done. Hopefully something will be done. We'll see.